You're listening to It Simply Isn't Done, a podcast of Portage Chapel Hill. I'm Barry Petrucci. I'm Jess Davenport. And together we are the Irreverent Reverends. It Simply Isn't Done is a podcast both about the state of the church, um, because the church is not done and God is still working with us, and about some of the things we do around here, which we frequently hear are things that are simply not done. Correct. And we're glad you're here with us for the ride. All right, we are here together after week three of our series, Earn, Save, Give. Spend Like Crazy, <laughs> Give, Give, John Wesley's Theology of Stewardship. Um, yeah, so if you already listened to the sermon and the scripture, you can jump right ahead to the marker number that's given to the in, to you in the instructions. And we'll see you afterwards for some reflection. Hear now the words of our scripture. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of humans and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love remain, these three, and the greatest of these is love. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Amen. The last Sunday of the year, Reign of Christ Sunday to remind us that it was true at the beginning. It's been true all year, even when things seem out of control, that God reigns. Amen. 
And should we need another reminder on this last day of the church year, Connor was baptized. We welcome into the family of the wetheads. Welcome, Connor. It's the best. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth, O God, and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable, pleasing unto you. Amen. So this is week three of our little series, Earn, Save, Give, Wesley's Theology of Stewardship. We began with reflection, with the first reflection two weeks ago on God and earnings, the wisdom of earning, being wise enough to earn well while doing no harm to the self and no harm to others. Last week, just preached on the wisdom of saving, finding ways to invest that honor God, that honor self, and that honor others honestly. This week, we kind of meander out into the world of giving, to at least give some of what we have to others to manage for themselves, to care for, to steward trusting that not everyone out there is a crook, right? Trusting that we get to share and other people can benefit from the sharing. To take a lesson from the little turtle and the bird and the squirrel. Taking lessons. The suspense of that cartoon was too much, wasn't it? What's gonna happen next? So far, we know that this series came out of Methodist founder John Wesley's teaching and preaching on the use of resources. Wesley lived simply. For our time, we would even say that he lived frugally so that others could simply live. He understood it to be an expression of his personal piety, that is, the depth of his growing faith and of his social holiness, that is, how he put his faith to work in the world. So let's talk a bit about Wesley's foundation and developing his thinking on accumulation, saving, and distribution of resources, all resources, remembering that we're not just talking about money, though we tend to go straight to money because it's a place where we are least comfortable. We're talking about all resources. That money is only indicative of other things like time, talent, tools, mindfulness, and so forth. In the New Testament, Jesus talked often about what God expects us to do with what we accumulate, the stuff we gather up as gifts that God gives into the world. In one instance, a rich young man wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus, let me follow you. And Jesus says, great, go ahead and sell half of what you own, and come on. The rich guy walked away moping because he could not even envision himself giving up any of his stuff, let alone half of it. His possessions at the end of the day meant more to him than following Jesus. In the 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we have... That story of Zacchaeus that lots of us learn as little kids in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. 
climbed up in a sycamore tree because Jesus he wanted to see. Yeah, now the song's in your head too, good. Remember, as the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus knew the amount of tax Rome expected him to collect. However, he had the authority to set the price of the tax to be collected. And the difference between what Rome expected and what he could get, that was his money. All the money collected minus what was owed Rome belonged to the tax collectors. So they were known for being seriously, well, crooked. They were known for ripping off the taxpayers. For Zacchaeus, as the chief tax collector, he also received a percentage of what his collectors were able to seize from the Roman citizens. Bonus, the tax collectors were Jews. They were Jews who saw a way to get rich quick off their fellow Jews. They were viewed as traitors and not liked very much at all. This is why the Jews were outraged that Jesus would have lunch with Zacchaeus. Remember? Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm coming to your house today. They didn't like this idea at all. For Jesus to go hang out with a chief cheat was sort of an indicator of just how dirty Jesus was. At least that's the way it was interpreted by the leadership among the Jews. The text doesn't really let us on in whether the Jesus Zacchaeus lunch ever really happened. It does, however, say that Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned. Well, he would be. Was just climbing a tree to see and then climbing down to be in the presence of Jesus enough to shake Zac and give him a change of heart and mind? Was it enough for Zach to take a hard look at himself as though in a mirror clearly, to know he was quite basically a cheat, a white-collar criminal? Apparently. Apparently something like that happened because near instantly he stammered apologetically and announced that he would give half of his income to the poor. And were that not enough, Zach promises to pay those he cheated back four times what he took. That's a big change of heart. Well done, Zacchaeus. Jesus can have that kind of an impact on people. It seems like Jesus can change our hearts when it comes to our relationship with money when nothing else will. It's the same with other stuff that we treasure and take care of, that we manage, that we steward. It's true for the things that we hold so dear that it becomes like a God for us instead of God who is God to us. It's a struggle though, right? It's a struggle. It's a struggle for me. I would bet it's a struggle for you at times. I mean, me, we may want to, but then there are the bills to be paid college payments, saving for retirement, getting Connor's trust fund going. We just have to have the latest gadget when it comes out. And we have to dress just so. And new cars, oh, new cars. I want an EV so bad. It's gonna help our world, really. Giving her all 
is a challenge because it makes us separate what we want from what we need from what we're given. In fact, we could even call this kind of talk of giving stuff away insane. None of us would think of liquidating all of our assets and giving them to the church, right? But if you should, either Jess or I are available to help you through that process. And still Jesus asks for it all. Jesus wants to know that we see him as more valuable than anything we own, anything we have, anything we do, anything we love. So that ultimately the question comes down to, do we love Jesus more than all the stuff that God has given us to live in this world? God had a plan to help humans with giving because God apparently knew that it was going to be tough. And the plan was laid out in the Hebrew scriptures, that's our Old Testament, and it was called the tithe or teeth. A tithe is giving just 10 cents on the dollar to God. That is not much of a tip, folks. I know because I have the Starbucks app, and 10% is not even on there. Come on, come on. In comparison to Jesus asking for it all, God's plan seems minuscule, yet most still had and still have issues with giving 10%. In the United States, I think the last I saw these numbers were were hovering as a people down somewhere a little bit below 4%. Giving outside of ourselves is not something that's part of our culture or our faith. And so we're given this tool, this gift of how to begin. 10%. But it wasn't just that. There's uh, the perpetual question. Pastor, so this tithe thing, are, are, is that like is that pre-tax or after-tax? Let's not be legalistic about it. Start somewhere. Give from the heart and not out of obligation. Each of us knows what we give, and we know why. Do we give out of love for what God has done, what God is doing, or what God is going to do in our lives, both here on earth and in heaven? Or do we give out of nothing but rote obligation? Scripture also says that a joyful giver is appreciated, is loved. Because the cheer goes with our attitude toward God. So giving the spare change, you can't fool Jesus. He knows our hearts and what we give before we do. The earliest form of the plan in that society that was largely agrarian, that is largely a planting and harvesting society, the tithe was connected to first fruits, right? The first of the crop to come in went to God. Giving to, first, of giving to God of the first fruits is offering at the temple in the earliest forms. Or it was giving to the poor, or the refugee, the traveler, and leaving the first fruits on the trees, the first fruits in the field to be gleaned by those who needed it. And that was crazy, right? 
because these are the things that people use to make their living. And God says, take the first fruits and give it to me and give it to my people who are suffering. Those first fruits you can depend on before birds eat them or storms come. You can depend on the first fruits when you get them to the market before anyone else. And that's just it. The tithe off the top says we trust God enough to give to God first before other obligations, before other bills are paid. To trust that it will be okay. As God provided the first 10%, so God provides the 90%. So lest you think you forgot about it, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 is our primary text for today. Many of us first got to know the words and the rhythm of this beautiful text from the Apostle Paul from a wedding or maybe a funeral. There are a myriad of lovely artistic works with the words woven into the tapestry of colors and images. I want you to hear the words again, this time from the Catholic public domain version, and check out the translation of the Greek word agape. If I were to speak in the language of humans or of angels, yet have not charity, I would be like a clanging bell or a clashing cymbal. And if I have prophecy and learn every mystery and obtain all knowledge and possess all faith so that, so that I could even move mountains, yet have not charity, then I am nothing. And if I distribute all of my goods in order to feed the poor, and if I hand over my body to be burned, yet not have charity, it offers me nothing. Charity is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not act wrongly. It is not inflated. Charity is not ambitious. It does not seek for itself. It, does, it is not provoked to anger. It devises no evil. Charity does not rejoice over iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Charity suffers all, believes all, hopes all, endures all. Charity is never torn away, even if prophecies pass away or languages cease or knowledge is destroyed. For we know only in part and we prophesy only in part, but... When the perfect arrives, the imperfect passes away. One season I was a child. I spoke and I thought as a child. But when I became grown, I put aside the things of a child. Now we see through glass darkly. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. But for now, for now, these three continue, faith, hope, and charity. And the greatest is charity. Charity. See, charity is the translation of love, the translation of the active verb that's most commonly translated as love, but it's agape. It's, it's love in action. It reframes charity, doesn't it? In our culture, we degrade those who receive help, public or private, help from taxes, help from individuals or charitable organizations like church. We might say, oh, 
they're just, they're here all the time, it's a charity case. We denigrate those in need, calling it a charity case. Our faith tradition, however, has those of us who are in a position to give as those honored to help. Honored to help because God calls us to. We get to love in this way because we are in a position to live in this way. Literally, we live in this way saying thanks be to God. So two weeks ago, back there, in an act of prayer, there were $200, $200 bills thrown around. And I invited people to take money. Eh, just take it. Bring it back today. See what you could do with it. Multiply it for the Helping Hand Fund, which is our charitable fund, our fund of love that the pastors get to use for folks in the congregation and folks in the congregation who identify a need, there were $200. You took $56. Shy! I'm not going to take money from the church. This, this fund that we have is the easiest fund we have to replenish because people at Chapel Hill love to give when people identify need. So you didn't need the $56. And still I offered the challenge. And Tanya's going to tell you more about that, but I opened that up for the 9 o'clock service this morning as well as a way to remind us of this incredible fund that is an expression of love. It is charity of the highest order because we understand it to be what God provides for those in need. Tanya, you want to come tell us about it? Welcome back. Welcome back. So, Barry, you preached. Well, yes. <laughs> Such as it was, I did. It was also Reign of Christ Sunday, the last Sunday in the Christian calendar. We wrapped up our little mini uh, kind of stewardship series. Um, what did you want people to take from your message? And then I'll, I'll share what I took. Yeah, so it was another one of those um, times where I, I wanted people to understand money as... Um, the token of everything that we are granted in this world, all the resources that, that we have, and also probably the, the resource that we're most, com most uncomfortable talking about mm. um, and that we tend to connect most with what the church wants from us, uh, which as pastors we know that, that that's not true, um, though it's the thing that people often are, are least comfortable having us advertise, having us preach about, having us talk about one-on-one. -on -one. Um, or talking about themselves, yeah. Yeah, because, it, yeah, it, it, goes, it goes deep, right? And it goes to a sense of, of personal value mm -hmm. um, in ways that many things don't. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to go into the money piece um, 
but I wanted to hear it in a new way, and so I used 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter mm-hmm. uh, uh, that Paul lays out, but that gets, that gets translated, particularly in Roman Catholic um, translations, as charity. Agape, love, is, is translated as charity. So I wanted people to say, see that the giving piece of it is... Um, it is it is a charitable gift of love. It is a response to God's love for us and our love for uh, humanity in, in in giving that others might uh, might have and become givers themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took that um our giving is really out of relationship. Like the the relationship is the prime part, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, obligation or. Um, maybe even responsibility, right? But giving is out of an understanding of relationship with God and, and who we are and who God is and um, with whom we're in relationship, you know, in our community or, or broadly. Um, I'm, I don't, I'm guessing you'll agree with this. I don't know for sure. So we'll see. Ooh, <laughs> you know, but for me, of course, I think folks would want to, um, who are connected here, who call this their church home, would want to give here to this place. However, you know, I'm, uh, as long as people are giving, like, I, that, it's a spiritual discipline, right? So if there are other organizations that are doing incredible work, yes. Like, yes, this is not, there's no, there's no scarcity mindset. Like, we will, we will all figure it out. And it's much more important to me that people find um, find organizations or places where their values are aligned and they give, you know, and they feel good about that and they feel good about the relationship and the work and what all of that looks like. Um, that's kind of yeah. the pastoral spiritual discipline kind of part of it, you know. Sure. Yes, I, I do. I mean, we're all going to, we're all going to have things that become dear to our hearts mm-hmm. um, because of personal life experiences, crises, uh, you know, we give to the Petrucci's give to uh, breast cancer because Lisa uh, struggled with breast cancer. And so that's something that we give to outside of the church. I also think the church has a responsibility to do some vetting for folks yeah. and, and to give to things uh, whose values align with the work that the church is doing. So, um, you know, they may be, they may be parachurch uh, or they may be mm-hmm. totally totally separate uh, non-profits or non-governmental ent- entities. But for us to be able to say, yeah, this is consistent with who we are, I think that's a helpful thing for people. Yeah, and I also, you know, when the more folks we invite to participate in those, the larger the gifts. Sometimes it's even educating people that these organizations exist, like UMCOR, United Methodist Committee on Relief, which does an incredible job, and all of, all of the direct donations go explicitly to direct relief work, none to administration, things like that. It, you know, we get the opportunity um, because of our denominational understanding to educate about that, which I think is cool. I'm a fan. Yeah, it is. And it's another one of those places, not to go down uh, a, a rabbit hole too much, but as the denomination goes through changes and shrinks, the ability of the church to pay that administrative overhead of UMCOR that shrinks as mm-hmm. well, and we run into the danger of not being able to give 100% yeah. uh, f- through Omcor. So that's an educational piece that we need to do as well, so that um, the churches that, that choose to remain United Methodist as others disaffiliate, 
need to understand that uh, that may mean that we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to pick up some slack on things that are important to us, like Umcor. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So in your in the first message but not in the second. In the nine o'clock, but not the 11, you talked a little bit about um, some of our personal differences in how we give. And I thought that was interesting because the 11 o'clock folks might not have heard it. And I thought we might be able to talk about it here a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't in my notes, sorry. It wasn't, because I, I can see notes, your notes. So <laughs> yeah, I know, and I love that dearly. Um, yeah, let's talk about it. Um, so, <laughs> no, all all I said was was that uh, you and I have talked uh, a number of times about folks in the community who uh, are uh, you know on the street corners for one reason or another. Um, the common vernacular is panhandling, um, looking for resources, and often they'll have a sign: homeless or hungry or um, a homeless veteran. Um, and whatever folks can give, uh, we, we give. And I tend not to do that very often. And I tend to do that when I can. I don't carry cash a lot. Um, but, I, but it's interesting because typically, um, although you and I are very different people, a lot of our you know theological understanding and practice kind of lines up. So this is just like one area where it's helpful for folks to see um, reasonable, thoughtful, theologically minded people can differ in a whole host of reasons. And Barry mentioned yesterday that he and Lisa choose to do a lot of their uh, direct kind of service giving through specific organizations. Um, and Tori and I, we do that as well. Um, but for whatever reason, I think I was in seminary and I had a professor kind of talk about this a little bit and it changed my perspective about um, you know, I, I have an awareness that the $6 I give someone is not going to, is not going to make a huge difference. But for me personally, it's just an acknowledgement that there's a human in front of me asking for something and it costs me very little to meet that need. So for me, it's a, it's a, a, a the smallest of gestures of just saying someone is in front of me that has a need and I can fulfill it easily. Like I might as well do it. Um, and the last pastor I worked with, and most pastors I'll say tend to not not participate in this at all for a whole host of reasons. Um, the last pastor I worked with, uh, Elisa, um, you know, it felt like money is the biggest cause of relationship issues. So she never wanted to be handing cash just because it, you know, it can really hurt relationships and what that looks like. So there's a whole host of reasons why people choose not to do that. I think um, it's interesting, though, to actually uh, think about it. Uh, because a lot of people are driving and see people and then just like ignore <laughs> the situation and then feel like subtly guilty or ashamed um, as opposed to maybe thinking through like hey what if, if I'm if I am perturbed by this particular problem of homelessness or people not having needs how can I address that in a way that feels uh, aligned with my values and consistent with who I am yeah I It's it's interesting. Like if 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 a sign says hungry, I am far more likely to give the six bucks that I have oh, in yeah? my pocket because that six bucks will impact their hunger. Yeah. If the sign says homeless and I have six bucks, I'm not giving that because my six bucks is not going to impact their homeless. 
If yeah. I gave 10 bucks to the same person in the same corner every day for a month, it would not impact their Not their at all. Business. No. Not in this community. Um, and so I choose to to engage with with uh, groups and largely groups that we choose to connect with from uh, through the church. That do good work. That, that yeah. do good work um, trying to impact homelessness in this community, which is not going all that well, but, but groups are trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, because homes are housing is really expensive in this community. Do you know what's really funny? I actually don't ever read the signs. <laughs> if I see a cup. If I see a cup, that's for me. Um, kind of that the signal. And I guess that's a that's an interesting. Maybe I'm not as literate, Barry, as you are. <laughs> I rarely like read yeah, the like, actual like sign. Doing sign signs everywhere. <laughs> sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just you know I think. Um, Practice can differ. Ultimately, I think we we come to the same theological conclusion of of wanting wholeness and trying to find bigger and uh, more systemic ways of dealing with that, with the awareness that you know six bucks is not going to help anyone's homelessness. And there are organizations we need to do better work with here in our community. Yeah, I, I think both of us uh, believe that people being irritated by folks panhandling is an irrational response yes to yeah a, to, a, to a significant problem yeah um and and yet it is it is just common to have have that kind of reaction that um the translating the uncomfortableness of coming eye to eye with somebody on a corner who has a need translates into i don't want that person on the corner Mm, as opposed to, yeah. I, I want I want that person to have what they need to yeah. thrive. Yeah. yeah. What's what's up with our community? What's up with our culture? That I'm driving uh, a Tesla and have a perfectly warm, wonderful house, and we have a significant uh, pro- problem mm-hmm. housing the people that need housing in this community. Yeah, I think that's. Um... Yeah, I think that's something that collectively we should, I don't know that we should feel ashamed about, but we should feel some responsibility towards collectively of like, hey, we have enough. <laughs> we have enough. And and also, um, homelessness is entirely solvable. There are places in the country that have functional zero homelessness. It's not, you know, um, every every single year, every uh, every council that meets on homelessness is like, hey, we actually have, we know what we yeah, need to do. Here, here's the plan. Yeah. Do we have the will to implement it? And time and again, yeah. we don't have the will. It's, or or it's, the education. Yeah, we don't have the... You're right. Mm-hmm. It's it's the global problem of hunger as well. I mean, yep. we, we've proven that we've got the ability to, to solve hunger problem, and that's not happening. And we continue in the United States that 40% of our food goes to landfill. Yeah. 40%. Yeah. It is. There are some... Some spaces that kind of make uh, make giving or making coming into this Advent season um, just feel really hard, right? And we're entering this season of hope, talking about our giving and um, finding these places that sometimes feel a little bit hopeless. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to do Sunday was was to um, put a light on charity because we've tended to take that word and turn it into. Uh, something negative mm-hmm. around people in need, uh, being, pe- people being a charity case. Yeah. 
Um, you know, we, it's in the same way that we turned welfare into something that we used to refer to welfare moms who, um, mm-hmm. who were really making money off of welfare. You know, all of this stuff that helps us justify uh, the, the huge gap in, in class in, in our nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I w- wanted to, to help people understand that charity is love. Yeah. Well, I think it's been building, too, on the fact that we all, there are times where we all have needs that we cannot meet ourselves, right? Whether they are financial, but, you know, oftentimes they're not. There are other kinds of needs and figuring out how to, um, how to ask for them, but also to rise to the occasion to meet them is that is the kind of charity and the kind of love, um, you know, why Greek has way more (laughs) words for love than our language does. They do. Four. Mm-hmm. Four. Uh, well, well, we solved the need problem in the previous uh, series, sermon series, so we should, be, <laughs> we should be good with that. Problem solved. Problem solved. Let me think. There's some other stuff. Oh, I really liked when you talked about first fruits. Um, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard to think about. It's hard to think about the practice of, um, you know, the, the first of your harvest that you give away. And you, you really have to hope and feel good about the rest. Um, and it's, a, it's a little bit of a different concept than the tithe. Um, but, you know, they're, they're similar ultimately. And you're going to give away um, part of what you have and, and dedicate it and set it aside, not for yourself, but for God and community. Yeah, we've turned the, the tithe into this kind of scary rule. Um, and it was it was really um, a way for people to think about how do you how do you build God into your plan for for yourself yeah uh, and for your family how does how does that work and I think thinking about you know thinking about the tips that we give we discovered in in COVID that uh, our tips were were inadequate for what we wanted to express to people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when we talk about giving a dime on a dollar uh, back to God, it doesn't seem undoable. And yet, and yet, uh, as I said, our charitable giving in this country is significantly below that total charity giving, including, including yeah. religious organizations. Yeah, I, you know, that's interesting. And maybe um, my... My campus, you know, ministry pastor who I talk about a lot, Jenny, her her dad was a CPA. <laughs> so she talked a lot about finances. And um, going into seminary, it was easier to start off when I had no money to build in a tithe, right? And so it's been easy to maintain it because it's always been there. Um, and like for me, on uh, for me, it's a, a pre-tax 10%. Like I I have the rule because I need it. That's just how I live my life. Like I enjoy having the rule and, and my salary, I tithe back to Chapel Hill. Tories, we split from a whole bunch of organizations that will, um, you know, if you're a Methodist pastor, you're not tied to a congregation forever. So it's nice to have kind of ongoing relationships. And like we met at ASP, so we're part of their, you know, whatever else. Um, but I could imagine if I were to start that now, um, when I have, uh, I'm, I have a reasonable salary that you all fund here, it would be a lot harder to kind of build that in. 
So it's interesting to think about folks kind of considering or even taking baby steps to think through what that might look like or, um, yeah, just their total giving in organizations that they want to be more supportive of and include in that dime, dime on a dollar. (laughs) Well, well, I mean, we talk about this uh, in so many ways. This is my practice. And we started early on. We started when we got married. And so you married also, a CPA. So. Also as a CPA. <laughs> and, 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 you know, um, uh, when, when people, when very wealthy people are digging to find nonprofits to give to because it's going to benefit them, you know, that's, that's sort, of, sort of an entertaining turn of things. Um, you know, for us who are people of faith, what what I what I say pastorally is to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, if if it's if it's one percent, start there and practice it and see what happens. I you know I'm not one that says you know God is going to multiply that for you and you you won't even feel it. I think we're supposed to feel it. Oh yeah. Um, I think I think, I think that's kind of the point. Be, it's, <laughs> we're, we're we're mindful. Yeah. Um, but it, but it continues to be practice and practice. Um, by definition, is what we do to get better, <laughs> and and our giving, our our work of love, gets better the more we do it. Yeah, well, and I I think it's important that folks know we we're not just asking you know people to do this that we ourselves um, we do it, uh, and not because I I don't do it out of obligation. It sounds like you and Lisa have also always done it. You all were. Bees do it. Bees yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's fall in love. It's um it's part of a, a spiritual practice. Um and yeah, it's it can be hard to start somewhere, but starting somewhere is I think you're right. It 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 shouldn't be I don't know that it should be easy. That doesn't mean you can't be cheerful while doing it, but rather mindful. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, celebrate what it's doing. Read Read the annual reports of whatever organization you're giving to. Yeah. And hold the organizations accountable. Um, that that um, it matters to you what's being done with the money. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and money's not the only way. You know, uh, give tithe your time to a charity. Absolutely. You can you could do that here at Chapel Hill. You could. <laughs> We have, we have stuff to do. <laughs> Plus, we're pretty fun to hang out with. I don't know that that's a selling feature to most. That's pretty... Probably, probably not the best day to do that, but... <laughs> yeah, I have an ear infection. Pastors are a little rough and, today. Yeah. And Barry's still recovering from, you know, whatever. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> from the latest malady. Yeah, from, from tree building yesterday. <laughs> But generally, um, our our encouragement is uh, part of our part of our faith is to mindfully give back, and that's one of the ways we combat scarcity. Um, and that's really a way of being. That's that's not even necessarily about the the how much of it all. It's a it's a way of being to practice not thinking everything is yours. You can't take it with you, but you can uh, certainly make the world a better place while you're here. And, and, and time and again, we are reminded that every time we do, we end up getting back. We don't do it so that we get back, but we find yeah. that in retrospect, we, we got back. So we 
you know, small example, we assembled a, a team of people to assemble trees yesterday. To make hanging uh, of the greens easier. It's a pre-hanging of the yeah, greens situation. So the trees have to be built. <laughs> and yeah, uh, spoiler alert, not real trees. But they're 15 foot fake trees and they take doing. So we assembled a team to do that. And we spent two and a half hours building trees and getting to know each other. And yeah. most of the folks were newer to the church. And it's a way of sharing and laughing. And then we went out and had pizza afterwards and did, did more fellowship. And we now know everybody's names and we now know everybody's histories. Yeah. Um, so we get back in that doing that, that, that job that would have been daunting had it been just a couple. Yeah. And the relationships built... Um, yeah, and the memories made. I'm already excited for Hanging of the Greens because last year we had just shenanigans. And I'm sure we will again this year that are really memorable <laughs> and fun. <laughs> there was an angel that got like a shepherd's hook st- st- stuck in her hair. <laughs> the angel was not happy about it, I'm sure. But... <laughs> yeah, I think maybe we replaced her this year. We probably should have. She, was, she, was, she had a rough year. <laughs> Put it on the list. Was there anything else? Like to donate an angel. Oh my gosh, no! (laughs) We need to vet the angels, okay? We that angel was like Glinda the Good Witch, and she scared me. (laughs) Were there other rabbit holes or other things you you wish you had said that you didn't you didn't get to fit in? No, I I I did catch it. I forgot to add in the our little vignette about the differences between us at uh, giving it. Oh, that's Um, okay. That wasn't a criticism. It was a. It was a noticing. Yeah, no, it was just because it wasn't. In the, wasn't in the notes. I don't remember why I thought about it the first service, but that's how things go sometimes. Sure. Um. No, I. Th- I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I got what I wanted to get out. I just. Uh, it, w- it was a low energy day. Yeah. Uh, Coming off Thanksgiving, we still have a lot of tryptophan in our systems. <laughs> Maybe if you had turkey. You know, recovering. That is, that is my excuse, tryptophan. <laughs> I tryptophan on Oh, no. All right, y'all. That might be all we have for today. Um, we start our Advent series on Sunday. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And we'll beginning have... Beginning of the church year. Beginning of the church year. Um, interestingly, just, just as a heads up for your brains, because I need it for mine. Advent uh, goes all the way through Christmas Eve. So on Christmas Eve morning at 10 o'clock, we're actually going to still have a Sunday service, and it's technically Advent 4, but we'll do some fun Christmassy things. And that's at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve morning, and then the Christmas Eve services follow at 4 and 8. Yeah, we're excited to see you for those services, whether you're here in person or you're going to stream with us. We'll... Have a great time throughout all of Advent, and you can check out our website for all sorts of Advent-related information. 